0: Jesus said to the disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. You did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the first congregation I was called to serve, there was a glass case about like this, hanging at the far end of a hallway And inside the case was a plaster statue of Jesus uh, hanging on the cross. One day I heard the story about that statue. It goes back to the Second World War. A fellow named Norman Snyder was in the service and his company was passing through a bombed-out town in the Philippines. Amid the rubble of a Catholic church, something caught Norman's eye. It was this shattered statue of Jesus, uh, the crucified Jesus, and Norman couldn't bear to leave it there. So he very carefully, in the rubble, gathered up all the pieces of it and put them in his satchel and brought them home with him when he returned to Kansas. Once he was back here, he hired a craftsman to put the image back together again. And miraculously, there wasn't a single piece missing, except for one, the original little crown of thorns. So the craftsman decided to give Jesus a little golden crown. Instead, Christ the King crucified. It's always been kind of oxymoronic the king of the universe, executed on a Roman cross. It's been a stumbling block to faith for a lot of people. How could God be crucified? How could God allow Jesus to be crucified? The scriptures even record the question on the lips of those people who were right there with Jesus on the day that he was crucified, the criminals and the Roman soldiers. If this Jesus can't save himself, how is he going to save us? which turns out, ironically, to be exactly how he saves us, by not saving himself, by not putting his life before our life. His willingness to die for the sake of the world is judged by God to be enough, enough sacrificial love to redeem us all from sin. And because of his perfect love and compassion, God made Jesus our sole judge. Scripture is really clear about that. It's not God who is going to judge us It's Jesus. For example, Jesus says the Father has given the Son authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. In other words, he gets us. He relates to us. He's been us. And when um, we affirm in the Apostles' Creed, we say he, Jesus Christ, will come again to judge the living and the dead. In his lifetime, although he was quick to call out hypocrisy, He was known for healing as a sign of the forgiveness of sins. Over and over and over again, he draws on the power of God to heal those that no one else has been able to help, saying, get up, go. Your faith has made you well. Your sins are forgiven. In Jesus, we see the power of God's love at work. It's manifest through these acts of kindness towards all people, but especially the kindness he shows to the outcasts and to the poor. Whenever he is in a position to condemn those caught in sin, he instead responds with words and acts of mercy and grace. Fear not, he said god did not send the son into the world in order to condemn the world but in order that through him it might be saved this is what it looks like to love god with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength and to love our neighbor as ourself and yet we tremble a little bit maybe at that vision that jesus gives us of judgment day where he descends from the clouds of heaven on a throne and all the angels are present and all the kingdoms of the earth are gathered together and the king of kings in all of his glory separates the sheep from the goats and everybody is surprised by what he says next to those at the right come to you that are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world why? Because I was hungry and you fed me and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was naked and you clothed me and I was sick and in prison and you visited me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and, or thirsty or naked or did any of these things? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these you did it to me. And then he says to the others, you're a curse. depart from me into the eternal fire, right? Because I was hungry, but you didn't feed me and I was thirsty and you gave me, in other words, you didn't show me any mercy, you didn't take care of me, you did nothing for me when you saw me in need. And they will also say, but Lord, when was it? When was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't take care of you? And he will say, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. It's an interesting thing. The king doesn't judge us based on our testimonies of faith. As Leonard Van de Zee puts it, there are no catechism questions in this scene. No one is asked if they invited Jesus into their heart or if they've been born again. Or even baptized it's what we did not what we believed it's how we acted not what we confessed and it's not as surprising as it seems because earlier in the Gospel of Matthew Jesus says not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but whoever does the will of my father does the will also interesting is what the king doesn't mention Lee Shatter says, we're so afraid that Jesus will drag out all of our sins, all those things that we're so ashamed of, and that we want to hide. But he doesn't do that. Any shame the story leaves us feeling isn't for the things we may have done, but for the good we left undone. And that's harder. The blessed, Jesus says, have served him through simple acts of love and kindness to the least. And they don't even know it. In the same way, those who fail to serve him will ask, you know, when did we fail you? If we had known it was you, we wouldn't have messed up. There's an old story about a monk awakened late at night by another monk at the door. And the monastic rule is that you always have to welcome the stranger, no matter what time of day or night. So the old monk trudges over to the entrance and peeks through the little hole and says under his breath, Christ, is it you again? We have direct access to Jesus through the person who is standing right in front of us in need. We have direct access to Jesus through the person who is standing right in front of us in need especially those who are the most irritating or who strike us as the least deserving, like maybe the drug addict who slumped over on the street corner. But when we care for the vulnerable, we are caring for the Lord. The good news, I think, is that this gulf between the sheep and the goats that Jesus lays out in this story is not irreversible. The pain felt by those of us who are goats, involves recognizing our missed opportunities. And maybe that pain will be redemptive for us, and we too will be restored to companionship with God and the vulnerable. We've been given the chance to wake up, to be more mindful of the people around us, to show a little more kindness and mercy. As another preacher said, isn't it astonishing that the things for which Jesus commends the blessed are so basic so simple little ministries not big miracles it's not healing the sick but caring for them it's not liberating the prisoners but visiting them being loving and kind and compassionate and merciful can become so much a part of who we are that we'll forget that we're doing something extraordinary Now, for Matthew, ethical behavior responds to Jesus' commands, but it doesn't result from our effort. It's not just that we're going to decide, okay, when we see Jesus, we're going to be nice. Instead, Matthew points out repeatedly that the good fruit comes from good trees. And John the Baptist warns of trees that fail to bear good fruit because good trees, Jesus says, cannot bear bad fruit nor can bad trees bear good fruit. And Matthew's Jesus doesn't instruct the disciples that they should become the salt of the earth or the light of the world. He tells us we are such. We are the salt. We are the light. And likewise, Jesus doesn't command us to hunger and thirst for justice, pursue peace, and so forth. Instead, he blesses us when we do. Amen.